Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. Good morning. Welcome to Hillside Assembly. God bless each and every one of you, and uh, we're going to start out with a song. Would you stand with us this morning? Let's just open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come together today in Jesus' name. And as the psalmist said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Lord, we thank you for all your benefits, all your mercy, your love, and your grace. And speaking of which, we're going to sing, This is Amazing Grace this morning. breaks the power Worthy is the Lamb who was 
morning that loves Jesus. We're going to have a great worship experience this morning. You can be seated for a few moments. We want to cover just a few things this morning. If you're a guest with us, welcome to Hillside Assembly. We're glad that you're here. We've got some free gifts in our foyer at our table. We would love for you to pick those up uh, before you leave today. We'd also love to get to know you and connect with you. So we'll have a leader or two out there in our foyer afterwards. Meet them, greet them. Uh, They would love to talk with you, give you any information that you might need. Uh, and answer any questions that you might have about our church. We've got some great things coming up, and so I just want to draw your attention to a few things in the bulletin this morning. Uh, First off, uh, Hannah's office hours are going to be changing to Wednesday mornings, so if you need to get information into us, you need to get it to us by Wednesday morning. That's when the bulletin uh, will be getting made up. Um, Today is the final day to have motions for new business for our business meeting uh, in, and so if you do have new motions for business, uh, please t- turn those in today before you leave uh, church. Sunday, February 4th, we're going to get together and have a little bit of food. Anybody like to eat food? Okay, well, four people in our church like to eat. So we're going to have a great time eating tacos, Don. It's going to be great. Uh, we're going to have a nacho taco bar luncheon. It's going to be great. We're going to do something really fun uh, and interesting and different uh, during our, our meal together that day. So I would encourage you to stay. Uh, we'd love to get everybody uh, signed up to bring something that day, and those items are in the foyer. Uh, there's a sign-up sheet for if you would be willing to bring some items to help us out with the meal that day. That would be great. But I hope that you all will stay on February 4th after service, have lunch with us. We're going to have a great time. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, so I hope that you will do that. It's a good time for us to get to know each other uh, on a deeper level. And then uh, Feb- Wednesday, February 7th, uh, we've got the uh, Good News Singers. They're going to be practicing. The goal here is that on February 14th, and I know February 14th is a special day. What day is it? Valentine's, Valentine's Day. I realize it's a big ask, but for some of us, we, we might not be celebrating on Wednesday. If you already have plans with your spouse, do not cancel them, all right, to come to this, all right, because I still want to be your pastor on February 15th, all right? Uh, but if you don't have plans already, schedule, maybe you can schedule a, a date to, 
to do something with your spouse on a different day and come out and sing. How cool would it be uh, to go lift up some joy on February 14th to some of our assisted living people and just say, you know what? God loves you, and we love you, and we want to let you know that you matter. Uh, And so if you'd be willing to do that, we're going to practice on the 7th right after Bible study. Uh, So that'll be about 7.30. And then on the 14th, we won't have Wednesday night here at church. Uh, We're going to go sing and uh, just encourage and communicate. So I hope that you'll come and be a part of that. Uh, We also are trying to get a hospitality ministry going. And so uh, we were asking some of the ladies if you would be willing to be a part of that. Here comes Kathy with the clipboards. We're bringing them right through every section so that we'll bring it to you. We'll bring the sign up to you, all right? Uh, we want you to sign up. We want to be able to put that team together. Um, we just have a lot of different events going on here at church. And if we can just have a group of ladies that say, look, I'm willing to be part of a team, and we'll work out the details on when you're available and those kind of things. Um, but we just want to be able to make that process smoother and easier and not put it on just one person uh, to try to figure out how to make these, these hospitality gatherings move forward. That would be great. So ladies, if you could sign up for that, that would be awesome. And then we've got another church get-together that we would love for you to be a part of. Um, I know, last night, I was brokenhearted too. We were this close, guys, to going to the Super Bowl, because I think we can beat both the teams that are playing today. Uh, We were in it right to the last minute last night, Uh, but our football season for the Packers has ended. I'm looking forward to next season already. Uh, But we thought it would be fun to go to a sporting event. And so uh, we have arranged to, uh, to reserve 20 tickets uh, to go see the Wisconsin Herd play basketball in Oshkosh. Uh, tickets are $18. It's a little more than, because than the, they have $10 tickets, but for $18, we get seats with backs. And I'm just, yeah, come on. I'm just telling you, eight, eight bucks is a lot less than what you would spend at the chiropractor the next day. Uh, so we got nicer seats. Uh, we would love for you to be a part of that. There's 20 tickets. Um, you can uh, order those by connecting to this, to this uh, with your phone, or if, if you want to purchase them through the church, just let us know. We'll work with you. We'll put it on the website. We'll, we'll get your tickets all taken care of. Just let us know. Uh, but there's only 20 tickets available, so sign up. That's for March 1st. Uh, it's going to be a great night at 7 p.m. Looking forward to seeing the herd. And they're playing my, my, uh, my home state, Maine, uh, and so we should slaughter them, all right? So we're not guaranteeing a victory, but we're, we're believing it'll be a victory that day. Let's see what Jeb has to say for our kids today. That's right, it's AG Express time. If all of our kiddos want to get up on their feet, grab your stuff and head down with Miss Jackie. She's right there in the back of the sanctuary. Hey, while our kiddos are doing that, let's give them a cheer. Woo! All right, kiddos, I'll see you downstairs for Rules with Jeff. Well, they're going to have a great time downstairs. Uh, just two more things before we engage in worship. Uh, you'll notice up here at, in the front, we've got this shoe box on this table. Uh, there's some three by five cards and some pens in front of that. Um, what the shoe box is, is we're asking everybody in church, if you, if you need a breakthrough in your life of some kind, uh, whether it's spiritual, physical, emotional, relational, whatever the breakthrough might be. Maybe, maybe you've been praying about a new job or whatever it might be. Uh, if you want to come and just fill out whatever that breakthrough area is, what you're asking for prayer for, and put it in that shoebox, we pray every week for those. Uh, we were here on Friday, and we were praying over those. And I, I'm just letting you know, we're going to pray for you. And we want whatever area that it is you're struggling in, 
or where you need a breakthrough to experience that. Uh, and so you can come up during worship and just fill those out. If you want to come up while I'm preaching, you are not going to bother me, all right? I want you to come and bring those prayer requests so that we can pray over them and that you can see the breakthrough that God wants to do in your life this year. Amen? Amen. Um, and finally, this, as we get ready to go into worship, when we talk, we're talking about the area of breakthrough. That's what God wants to speak to us about. And there are times where when, when you're, you're starting to see things start to come, like things are starting to come together, and you're going, man, I think we're finally getting to that area of breakthrough. And you, you can be excited, but I find in the biggest breakthroughs in our life, there also comes a moment where the wheels come off the bus. Um, just unexpectedly, all of a sudden something happens, and it all seems to fall apart. And maybe you're there this morning. Um, at the end of service, after we, we get done, we'll dismiss. We've got some information to pass along to you uh, that we can't share online to our online audience uh, because of its sensitivity. And it's, it's one of these areas where the wheels came off the bus, or at least that's what it appears to be. But I want to let you know, when, when everything goes sideways, when everything falls apart, it is not a sign that God has abandoned you. It is a sign that only God can step in and fix it. Amen. Right. We don't want breakthroughs that we can create ourselves. We want breakthroughs that only God can do in our life. And if you're here this morning and you feel you're at the end of your rope, you've seen the wheels come off in whatever area it is in your life this week, I don't want you to be discouraged. I want you to worship because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is here this morning mm. to bring breakthrough to your life. He shows up. He makes a way where there is no way. So would you stand to your feet this morning as we invite our Savior here this morning to inhabit the praise of his people. Jesus, we thank you that, God, you listen to us, that, Lord, you are alive and living. You did not stay in the grave, but you rose from the dead that you hear the prayers and the praise of your people. And Lord, we know when we bring the praise and worship that, Lord, you come in your presence. Lord, I pray for those this morning who are discouraged, those who are at the end of the rope, those who feel like the wheels have come off the bus. It is an opportunity for you to step in and do what only you can do. Lord, I pray for your power to be made available today. I pray that your presence would be tangible to people. They would experience you in your house today. And Lord, we pray that, God, you would do breakthroughs in people's lives. And God's people said, Amen. let's worship God together this morning. Amen? Amen? Let's Come on, you can do better than that. Let's worship God this morning. Amen? Are you ready to raise a hallelujah as Robbie leads us? I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemy. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a I'm gonna sing 
from the past, Rock of Ages. And Jesus talked about building our house on, the, on one of two foundations, one on the sand. And we know that that foundation did not stand, nor did the house stand. But Jesus said, 
If you build your house on the rock, it will stand, amen? And we know that Jesus is the rock of our salvation. And this song is called Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages Glad for me Let me hide Myself in Thee Let the Jesus Christ from thy wounded side which flow be of sin the double cure save from wrath and make me pure everybody could my tears could my tears for ever flow? Could my zeal, could my zeal no longer know these for sin, these for sin could not atone? Only Jesus, thou must save. draw this fleeting breath while I draw this fleeting breath when my eyes shall close in death but I will rise when I rise to worlds unknown and behold back to verse 1. Rock of ages, clap for me. Let me hide myself in Brad. 
in a song. Any Toby Mac fans out there, just got to ask. We're going to sing about standing on Christ, the solid rock. Amen. Looking out my window, feeling the crescendo, sunset on a quiet sea. Sitting with the ones that I'll forever love, we're waiting on a flash of green. And even when the nights got cold, you have always held me close. You're the only rock that I could ever stand on, you're the only one for me. The sun goes up, the sun comes down. This old world keeps spinning round I'm here traveling down this long and winding road Seasons come and seasons go They take me high then leave me low But I'm still standing on the only rock I know You're my cornerstone Oh, 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 no matter where I go Cornerstone Bible by my bedside Sweating through a long night Wrestling the hounds of shame Trying to turn the hands back On a troubling past Every move I make in vain But even in the shifting winds You are who you've always been You're the only rock that I could ever stand on Through it all you remain the sun goes up, the sun comes down, and this whole world keeps spinning round. I'm here traveling down this long and winding road. Seasons come and seasons go, they take me high and leave me low. But I'm still standing on the only rock I know. You're my cornerstone, oh, oh. Solid rock, I'm standing. Amen. Oh. 
sinking sand On Christ On Christ the solid rock I'm standing All of the ground is sinking sand You're the only one that I will build my life on Through it all you remain The sun goes up, the sun comes down This old world keeps spinning round I'm here traveling down this long and winding road Seasons come and seasons go They take me high and leave me low But I'm still standing on the only rock I know You're my cornerstone, oh, oh, oh No matter where I go, my cornerstone, oh stand on amen are you standing on the rock the rock of our salvation let's pray dear god thank you so much that we can all join together to worship your name you are holy and awesome and we recognize that i pray that you would bless this time now that you would help us to focus on you that we would listen to the words you have for us that we would understand them and be able to apply them to our life, and that we would use this time of fellowship to grow with each other and grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. And we are going to head right into Scripture. So we are in Acts chapter 15, starting in verse 15. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders, to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. 
The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this, as it is written. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild, and I will restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things. Things known from long ago. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. Then the apostles and elders, with the whole church, decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They, cho- they called Judas, or chose Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, men who were leaders among the believers. With them they sent the following letter. The apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. So the men were sent off and went down to Antioch, where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. After spending some time there, they were sent off by the believers with the blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. Pastor, would you come up and share? Well, Acts chapter 15 takes place approximately 15 years after Jesus rose from the grave. So the church now is celebrating almost 15 years of ministry, and they're finally wrestling with some of the big questions that need to be answered. God's timing is always perfect, though, amen? Amen. For most of us, we would read this in our our time with the Lord. We'd go through, we'd read chapter 15, and we'd probably kind of just skim over the top of it. Because it's kind of boring, right? I mean, there's no Holy Spirit jailbreak. Nobody's getting raised from the dead. Nobody's getting healed. It's, it's kind of just a, a lot of, of communication. But, and, and I could say the same thing from a preaching standpoint. I mean, this is not something where I go, you know what I am stoked about? I want Acts 15. I can't wait to preach on this. Um, not really. <laughs> um, but 
there is an incredible amount of weight in this passage. Fifteen years into the church, and thank goodness Acts 15 is there, because I'm going to tell you, if Acts 15 was not in the Bible, I doubt that Hillside Assembly would exist or that any of us in this room would have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It wouldn't have happened. Some leaders had to step up to the plate. Here's the thing about being a leader. You have to pick and choose your battles because you can't fight every battle. You don't have the resources to be able to do it. You can't make everything in your life a fight. It just does not work. But when it came to this issue, these pastors and these leaders in the church said, this is a fight we've got to engage in. This is a problem that if we let continue to run, it will run rampant and it will destroy the church. We've got to take the bull by the horns and we've got to come up with a solution and we've got to come up with direction and we've got to lead boldly into the future. Thank goodness for men and women who are willing to lead boldly. Amen? Amen. I'm going to tell you, not everybody was happy with the answer that they came up with. And that's going to be true for any decision that we have in a church. As a church grows and changes and transforms, there's going to be moments of conflict. But we want the conflict to end in resolution. And we want the resolution to be led by Jesus Christ. Amen? If this had not been addressed, we would be looking at a two-tiered church system where Jewish Christians are first class and Gentiles sit in economy class. And that's not what Christ ever intended. All men are equal at the foot of the cross. We are all men and women who are sinners, who need a Savior, who need Jesus. But the bigger issue here is this. What they were saying, what was being laid, was saying that Jesus alone is not enough for salvation. That Jesus is not enough. But I want to tell you this morning, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. It's not about our good deeds or our good works. But at the same time, these leaders say, hey, look, Jesus is enough. But if you've got sin in your life, you've got to deal with it through Christ. Because he's come to set you free. I love the fact that these men stood up in a time that was difficult. The progress of the gospel has often been hindered by people with closed minds who stand in front of open doors and block the way for others. In 1786, when William Carey laid the burden of world missions before the ministerial meeting in Northampton, England, Dr. Ryland said to him, Young man, sit down. When God pleases to convert the heathen, he will do it without your aid or mine. More than one spirit-filled servant of God had entered open doors of opportunity without the support of churches or religious leaders. Thank goodness that's not where we're at today, amen? Could you imagine someone getting up and saying, hey, let's do something for missions. And the leader of the church going, you know what? God doesn't need our help reaching people. And you're right, he doesn't need our help, but he chose to ask for it. He said, I want to make you part of the process of reaching this world. 
I'm just thinking to myself, this, this, this pastor, as he's sitting here in front of all of these church leaders, and he says this, what must be going through his head? Obviously not scripture. Jesus said, go out into all the world. And he's saying, oh, we don't need to do that. Man, when we get away from God's word, the church becomes ineffective. And we no longer become a church. We become a country club or something even worse. Paul's and associates, Paul and his associates face these same type of challenges at the Jerusalem conference. But they bravely defended both the truth of the gospel and the missionary outreach of the church. There are three stages to this passage of Scripture, and I'm going to quickly touch on all three this morning. Dispute, defense, and decision. Let's start with the first part. We find this in Acts 15, 1 through 5. This is the dispute. This all starts with some legalistic Jews, teaching, teachers uh, that came from Antioch to teach the Gentiles, in order to be saved, you have to be circumcised and obey the law of Moses. These men were associated with the Jerusalem church, but not authorized by it, and that's important. You'll see later on in the passage where it says, hey, some people came to you, but we didn't authorize them. They were not empowered by the church. These people are, are on their own accord. This does not run through us. So their words lack the authority and the weight of the church. These individuals identified with the Pharisees, and these were teachers that were false brothers who wanted to rob both Jewish and Gentile believers of liberty in Christ. Still stuck in the past, they wanted to bring division instead of unity. And I want to tell you, God's church is about bringing unity. It is about bringing people together. It's not about tearing us apart. It's not about putting us in silos. Salvation is for every person. No matter where you come from, no matter what color your skin is, no matter what nation you came from, no matter what political party, Jesus is enough for salvation. These people were Jews who had been trained to, to respect and obey the law of Moses. And we have to remember that Romans, Galatians, and Hebrews had not yet been written. So there was still work to be done and things to be said and, and the word of God to be developed in people's hearts and minds. These early believers didn't have the resources and tools that we do today to perhaps see the picture in a better light. There was a large group of priests in Jerusalem assembly and as, uh, as well as people who still followed some of the Old Testament practices, but it was time for transition. It was time for change. It was time for a catalyst and these times are always difficult. They were difficult then, and they're difficult now for us. It's still difficult when the church needs to go through periods of transition. To do things differently, to let go of the way things used to be done. It's challenging. And why is it challenging for us? Well, because it's tied to our emotions, it's tied to our experiences. You all probably have experienced, those of you who have been, been saints for a long time, you have experiences with Christ, moments you remember. How many of you have ever been to church camp and had an encounter with God at church camp? Go ahead, raise your hand if you've been to church camp. Yeah. Now I remember 
uh, back in, in, in Lexington, Nebraska, church camp. I remember so many times where, man, yeah, I, I, I remember praying in this place for this, and then and I think what God did. And I remember seeing, seeing this happen here in this place, and, and this happened. The last time I was at that campground, I remember walking through. And it was interesting because uh, the, the sanctuary area was, was getting dilapidated. The building was just being run down. And so they said, hey, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna tear it down. We're going to re, redo it. And people threw a fit. We can't do that. That's where God met us. That's where God met us. Well, God would like to meet some, a new generation, and we would like them not to have rain and snow on their head when they're meeting God. And I mean, I know that's a silly illustration, but sometimes we get stuck there. And we go, we can't, we can't do that because, because we have memories and emotions. And I am not trying, I want to be very clear as your pastor, I am never trying to steal your memories, or your emotions, or your pastimes with God away from you. But what I do want to do as a pastor is inspire us to reach to a future where another generation can have those same experiences. And for us to do that, we're going to have to think a little bit differently. Because times have changed, but the Word of God hasn't. And the mission still remains the same. So let's be on mission. Let's be on mission. It's dangerous when we hold to things too tightly, especially our emotions and experiences. When they become more important to us than the mission, there's something wrong. And we have to be the ones to say, Lord, we've got to flip that around. The mission has to come first. Thank goodness we've had experiences, amen? And I want to tell you, there is more experiences for you to have. The best is not behind you. The best is in front of us, church. The best is in front of us. Because I don't know about you, but in front of me, there will be an experience where I will meet Jesus face to face, where he will call me home. That is the best moment. That's the moment it's all leading up to. So you know what? Let's do all we can so that people can find Jesus and they can share that moment with us. Amen? Amen. We don't want to hold on too closely because we want the next generation to be able to experience what the Lord has with us. Number two, defense. This takes place in Acts chapter 15, verses 6 through 18, and it's broken down into three separate parts shared by three different leaders in the church. The first one is Peter, and Peter reviewed the past. First, he, 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 he goes and, and he makes this argument. God made a choice with Peter. Peter had been given the keys to the kingdom, and he used them to open the doors of faith to the Jews. We see this in Acts chapter 2, the Samaritans in Acts chapter 8, and the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10. And people complained that Peter would be eating with Gentiles. But in Acts chapter 11, he sets that correct. Peter made it clear that Cornelius and his household were saved by hearing and believing, not by obeying the law of Moses, but by hearing the gospel message, hearing it and then saying, I believe it. I want to live in it. I want to experience it. Thank goodness for a new generation. 
Peter then goes on and explains that God gave the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles to bear witness that they truly were born again. We see that in Acts chapter 15, verse 8. Only God can see the human heart. So if these people had not been saved, God would never have given them the Spirit. But they didn't receive the Holy Spirit by keeping the law. They received by believing God's Word. How how did they know they were filled with the Holy Spirit? It had to have been obvious. It had to have been obvious. There was such a transformation. There was such a power released in them. There was no doubt these people had been saved by God, filled with the Spirit. Third, and this is Peter's strongest statement, It was the removing of the yoke of the law. The law was indeed a yoke that burdened the Jewish nation, but the yoke had been taken away by Jesus Christ. The law had served its time and its purpose, but now was becoming something that was keeping people away from a relationship with God instead of pushing them towards a relationship with God. The law had been abused. Leaders in the religious circles had raised up and they had created so many rules, so many things. It was taken away from freedom and it was all about rules and control and, and, and leaders being in control over others. But that's not what Christ's life and ministry is about. It's about the empowerment of his people to have a relationship with him, to live their lives and to do ministry. So Peter was passionate about these things. Things then switch to Paul and Barnabas, and they give a report on the present. And these guys probably were sitting there just waiting for their turn. They're like, come on, we got to tell you about what God's doing today. And the past is good, and the past is awesome. We should remember the past. We definitely should remember the things that God has done in the past. And I'll tell you why in just a few moments. But Paul and Barnabas is like, let me tell you about what Jesus is doing today. Let me tell you about what he's doing today. And we need to be a church that is willing to tell people what Jesus is doing today. Because everybody's got bad news, but the church has good news. And God is still working. And God is doing great and mighty things. Even in the midst of troubled times, even in the midst of our difficulties, he is still good. Are you breathing? God is good. If you still got breath, God is good. So here they are. Paul and Barnabas stood up and told the group what God had done among the Gentiles through their witness. Paul and Barnabas uh, were greatly respected by the church, and their their testimony carried a great deal of weight. Their emphasis was on the miracles that God had enabled them to perform among the Gentiles. These miracles were proof that God was working with them and that they were God's chosen messengers. Because if God was not about reaching these people, he sure wasn't going to put his hand on the mission. But God's hand was all over them. But notice, God's hand was on them. Great things were being done. But remember, we just preached through this. It was also incredibly difficult. They were ran out of a lot of the towns they preached in. Paul was even stoned. 
Then the church gathered around him to be like, is he still alive? Maybe we should pray. And then Paul gets up and goes, we're going back into town. I don't know if they led with that story. And as far as we know, they were really focusing on God's at work. There were great miracles, but there was also great hardships. And we forget sometimes that you can have both at the same time. We can have great hardships and great difficulties and still be in the midst of a God who does great miracles and who's doing great miracles in and through us. They're not exclusive. They can happen at the same time. And so here's Paul and Barnabas, and they're they're laying this on. They talk about the Holy Spirit and the work of miracles. And then it switches to James. And James related it all to the future. James was the brother of Jesus and the writer of the epistle of James. He and his brothers were not believers in Christ until after the resurrection. James had strong uh, leanings towards the law. So it's interesting that he is the one here that says, we've got to move things forward. We can't afford to be legalistic. The key idea in James's speech is agreement. He expressed his full agreement with Peter that God was saving the Gentiles by grace. And then he went on to explain the connection between how the Gentiles and the Jews related to each other in the church and how the church fit into God's promise to establish the kingdom of Israel. So why is this important? What's our takeaway from this this section here? Well, how do we apply it? What God has done in the past, what he's doing in the present, and what he will do in the future through you, through your kids, grandkids, through the church. When we get stuck in one of these paradigms, we should look to the other two for understanding and breakthrough. If you're stuck in the past by what happened in the past, whether good or bad, if you're stuck in the past, then look to your present and to the future and what God's doing currently and what he will do to, with you in the future. If right now you're stuck in the present, you feel like you're not making any headway or any ground, the, the wheels have fallen off the bus, as we talked about before worship this morning, then look to the past and remember what God had done in your past, how he's brought you through the difficult times, the things that you thought you never could make it through, but you did because God came through for you. And look to the future, realizing I may be stuck today. There may not be a lot going on today, but my future is bright in Christ, and God's not done working with me yet. And if you struggle with the future going, how in the world could God possibly do anything with what I've got? What is my future? There is no hope in the future. Then I tell you, look to the past again. What has God already done in your life? And what is he currently doing? If you're in this place with other believers, you're a part of a family that's reason to celebrate. We do life together and we'll conquer the future together with Christ and each other. Amen? Amen. There's a great lesson to be learned in the middle of this passage. God doesn't want us to be stuck. He wants us to keep moving forward. But then Acts chapter 15, 19 through 35 is the decision. The leaders in the whole church are directed by the Holy Spirit, made a a twofold decision, a doctrinal decision about salvation and the practical decision on how to live the Christian life. 
The doctrinal decision we've already examined. The church concluded that Jews and Gentiles are all sinners before God. We're all messed up. We're all in the same boat. So therefore, we need an answer that fits us all, and the only answer is Jesus Christ. There is one need, there is one gospel, and there is only one who can meet the need, and his name is Jesus. But all doctrine must be led to duty. It's not enough for us to simply to accept biblical truth. We must apply it in our personal and everyday life. Church problems are not solved by passing resolutions, but by practicing the revelations God gives us from his word. Amen? Is that not a great quote? I want to live in the revelations of God. We'll pass resolutions at the annual business meeting, but we're going to be about doing the work God gives us through revelations through his word. Amen? Amen. James advised the church to write to the Gentile believers and to share the decision of the conference. The letter asked for obedience to two commands and willingness to agree to two personal concessions. The two commands were that believers avoid idolatry and immorality, sins that were especially prevalent among the Gentiles. We talked about this last week with the worship of Artemis and the the deal with with, with these young pastors having to deal with the culture and how they used to worship now coming into the church and letting go of the old practices to be able to be discipled by Christ. And that's what this church leadership is doing. They're saying, look, Jesus is enough, but we've got to break through sin, guys. You've got to let go of the old life. You've got to let go of some of these things that are going on. Let's break through the sin. Let's leave the sin behind. The two concessions were they were willing to abstain from eating blood and the meat of animals that had died by strangulation. This was common practice in a lot of areas. Keep in mind that the early church did a great deal of eating together and practicing of hospitality. Most churches met in homes, and some assemblies held what was called a love feast. That's what we're going to do on February 4th. It's taco and nacho love feast. I like it. In conjunction with the Lord's Supper, it was probably not much different from our own potluck dinners. If the Gentile believers had ate food that the Jewish believers considered unclean, this would cause what? Division in the church. This, 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 these concessions at the end, it wasn't so much the spiritual issue. It was the fact that they realized, look, if, if this goes on, we're going to have a church that splits. I had a, a friend of mine who took a church plant that was incredibly unhealthy. He's there first Sunday. They're going to do a potluck. Awesome. So after church, they're going to do a potluck like we're going to do on the 4th. They went downstairs, and a kid had eaten a hot dog before they prayed, and the church broke out into a giant fight over it. I told, I told my friend, I said, you got more problems than hot dogs, brothers. I'm just telling you, if people are freaking out because the kid had a hot dog before you prayed, you got a lot more problems to deal with than hot dogs and prayer. All right? And that's what the church realized. They're like, look, let's avoid this problem altogether. Let's just set a standard, not because of necessarily the the spiritual rules, but because we realize if we don't, it's going to lead to disastrous problems for the church. It's going to create divisions instead of unity. And what does Jesus want to do? He wants to bring us together. 
Remember, the church is young, full of young believers, also full of people who for a long time have lived underneath the law, and they are just now beginning to experience freedom. Both sides need to grow and come to the center. And who's always at the center? Jesus. And guys, we can get distracted by a lot of things, a lot of things on the edge, a lot of things out here. And we can make these, oh, big whoop de doos and everybody can be concerned about this. Guys, what we need to focus on is at the center. Let's bring it back to Jesus. This is what really matters. This is what really matters. The stuff on the fringes doesn't. James set the tone. We're going to have one church. We're going to, be, we're going to have a doctrine that is active and full of action. We're going to be unified. We're going to be willing to let go of things and to grab a hold of the things that Christ is doing today and where he wants to take us tomorrow for both Jews and Gentiles. So let's put it all together. There are going to be disputes over the direction of the church, over the direction of our church. It's going to happen. By the way, I'm not expecting the annual business meeting to be a big deal. I'm not preaching this to preemptively say that's not, that's not the goal. It's not what I'm doing here. I'm just saying, we are a living church. God is doing great things. There are new believers coming into our congregation. As that continues, there is going to be conflict. We need to pick and choose what battles need to be fought. But at the key to all that is keeping Christ at the center and staying on mission. What does Jesus want to do? Number one, he wants people to be saved. The entire Bible is a giant arrow pointing in that doctrinal truth. It is about the redemption of God's people. We have to keep that front and center, which means if you were at Bible study on Wednesday night, we talked about having the, the balls in your hands. There's only so many hands that we have and so many balls that we can manage to juggle, and at some point, it all falls to the ground. Guys, the mission of the church has to be one of the things that we always keep in our hand. It is something we cannot afford to lay down. So we have to keep the mission in front of us. We have to be willing to let go of the past. We have to be willing to let go of traditions. They still mean a lot to us. I'm not telling you to let go of your experiences. I'm not telling you to let go of your emotions. But we got to be willing to say, I'm willing to let go of traditions so that another generation can experience Christ. We must look at the efforts of the early church and the blessing that was upon it and the fact that these men were willing to stand up and say, we are willing to do what it takes to make a stand in the sand when it comes to these kind of decisions. We also can see it's important to see God's blessing. We can look back over the last few years and say God's blessing has been on our church. He has blessed some things that we have done, and we need to realize that. Just like Paul and Barnabas, it may have been a struggle, but you can definitely see the hand of God was on them. Guys, it may have been a struggle the last few years, but God's hand has been on us, and it is on us today. And finally, when a decision is made, when a direction is cast, our faith is just not doctrinal, it's just not cerebral, but we get on board with action. 
It's just not something that we talk about. It's something that we engage and we do. My lead pastor at my last church told me this. We have a board meeting. We can hash it out. We can talk. We can come from different points of view. We can, be, we can do all that kind of stuff. But once the decision is made, as long as it is biblical, it does not go against what, God, what God's word tells us to do. When the decision is made, we walk out of this office. We are unified. We do not complain. We don't come from a, from a different angle. We don't go around and ask people, well, what did you think about? what?" No, no, no. As leaders, when the decision's made, we're on board and we're going. And by the way, if your pastor ever gets off doctrinally, ever steps away from the God word, you better call me out. Amen? Amen. I'm, I am a human being just like you. I am fallible. And I need people in my life to be willing to say, hey, pastor, are you sure about this? <laughs> God is good, isn't he? Robbie, can you just come to the to keyboard really quick, just as we close in prayer? I think what I'd like to do today is just seal this with a prayer. Is that okay to do that? Like I said, this, this is a passage that we normally would just kind of breeze by, but can you see the weight of how important it is? how important it was, because this decision sets up the success for the church that they'll see. And it leads to some great adventurous times. Not everything is an adventure. Not everything is exciting. But sometimes the things that seem boring are very important to the cause of Christ. Would you just pray with me this morning? Lord, we want to have hearts that follow you. Lord, we want the future of this church to be secure and that, Lord, the vision is being on mission. The vision is reaching out to our community. The vision is loving on each other. The vision is discipling one another. That, Lord, we want to live in your word. We want to be a living church. Lord, I thank you for what you've already done through this body of believers the opportunities that we've had to make differences and impacts, not just in our own community, but around the globe with ministry partners and missions trips. Lord, you are good. You are good. And you are not done working in and through us. Lord, I realize everything that we do as a church isn't going to be everybody's cup of tea. And that's okay. But Lord, whatever it takes for us to reach families, to reach kids, whatever it takes, Lord, for us to reach the people who have not heard the gospel and to remind people that they are loved by an almighty God we want to do. And Lord, we realize there's only so much time and so much resource. So we ask for your wisdom to be poured out on us. We can't do everything. But Lord, in the areas that you would lead us, may we do things incredibly well. Lord, would you guide us and lead us into the future. Lord, may this always be a lighthouse for the lost in our community. May this pulpit always be filled by someone sharing the gospel in a sound way that's practical for people to understand. 
May the worship that comes out of this house be a place that always draws the presence of God in. Lord, we thank you that we are the living, breathing church. Lord, for all of us, there will be times and seasons where you will ask us to set some things down so that we can hold on to something new, so that we can pick up something new. Lord, we will always remember what you have done. But Lord, when the season comes, I pray that we would have the strength and determination to go, I'll set this down for the better thing that you have for me. Lord, we thank you that you love this church, you love every person here. And God, we pray as we move into the future that our steps would be directed by you. And God's people said, amen, amen. amen. If you'll just stay seated for just a moment. Uh, if you're part of our online today, we want to thank you for joining us. We can't wait for next Sunday to preach the word. We encourage you to come and check out one of our services in person because we would love to have you here. But we do have to say farewell to you uh, today.